evening. And all praise of God, it does all things well. And again, to all of you, we thank God again for being with us this evening. God is great and he is greatly to be praised. We thank God again for all of you that are tuned in. All of you that have tuned in, again, like and share. Make sure that you share with someone uh, that Jesus, again, is in the house. And we are excited again to bask in his glory uh, for all that he has done for us. And so, again, we thank God for all of you that are with us now as we start on the day. A couple quick FYIs again. Uh, please, again, continue to pray for the sick and shut-in. Remember, again, uh, Sister Halsey, uh, Brother Daniel Sanders down near Arkansas, uh, one of our consistent virtual listeners. Again, want you to know that we are praying for you. Uh, remember, uh, Brother Leroy Verges Jr., again, uh, we're praying for all of our sick and shut-in. Uh, Sister Studevent. Uh, to all of you, uh, Brother Paul Fontaine, uh, again, these are individuals uh, who, again, we are lifting in prayer. And you see the list every week. And so you know that we want you to be praying for everyone. Hey, everybody that's interested in ministry, if you're serving in ministry, don't forget we got a ministry meeting this weekend. I think it's at 10 a.m. Uh, I promise you that we'll be done by 7.30. And so uh, just make sure you get here on time. What y'all doing? Sid Janelle? I, that, okay, you want, you want to do 6.30? Okay, 6.30. All right, 6.30. <laughs> All right. Uh, so if you would come, please make sure you come. Uh, hey, this is going to be our first uh, life development class coming up, and we want you to be a part of that. And, uh, again, we start the year off excellent. The Lord uh, sent several members into our family. Um, so, again, we are thanking God for that. If you are a part of the mentoring ministry, don't forget we meet, I believe it is next week. I need every one of you there so that we can make sure that we go through the protocols and procedures. We want to make sure that everyone is good as it relates to that. And so again, just ask you to keep praying for our ministry. Need you to be here. Need you to be engaged. Need you to be involved. That's our prayer. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. But let me open this up with a scripture and a word of prayer. Uh, scripture comes from Psalm 103. Uh, Psalm 103. And this is what it says. It says, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. So let me just pause and praise God. Since it said, O my soul, that was talking to me. So hallelujah. And thank you, Jesus, for being great. And then it says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Uh, who forgives all your sins. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Heals all your diseases. Hallelujah for that. Who redeems your life from the pit. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And crowns you with love and compassion. Hallelujah for that. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let's just praise God for that. Amen. Now, let's open up with a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you again for this day. Now, bless this time that we have gathered on today. Open our minds that we can saturate this information and help us become a better Christian, a better soldier for you. We give you praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mr. Trinidad. The Lord, everybody. Turn to them. Tell them I love to praise the Lord. Come on, tell them I love to praise his holy name. Hallelujah. Put those hands together. Let's have a little church. I love to praise him. I love to praise his name. I love to praise him. 
Praise his name.
name. Amen. Don't have to be on Sunday. Don't have to be a crowd. I just love to praise his name. You think about all the benefits that God has given you. You ought to feel like praising him right now. And I realize that sometimes our praise is predicated on others seeing us and knowing what we're praising. I don't have to tell you what God has done for me. I just thank God for God blessing me. And that's the way we ought to look at it. We ought to thank God day in and day out for the blessing that God has given us. And truly God has been good to all of us. Uh, something that we can say over and over and over again. You know, I said if I had 10,000 tongues, I couldn't thank him enough for all that he has done. And that's, I want to change that. I just want you to know that's wrong. Can I tell you why that's wrong? Let me say it like this. If I had 10 billion tongues, I couldn't thank God for everything that he's done. Amen. So glory to God in the highest. And to all of you again, we thank God. Hey, let's see if we can get some work done. Uh, on tonight said that we try to finish this thought again I think that we're going to be great defenders of the gospel and what we believe every time somebody comes to our door we need to know how to respond the series that we'll start in um, in the next week or so uh, will, will ultimately push us to understand that it's not just important to know God's word but it's important to obey God's word and I want to just push this and give you a little bit of what I'm going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks to come. You know, all of us, you hear this often. I agree with it, but let me put it in the proper context. All of us can say, it's my season, right? Everybody can say that. Some, maybe some of you said, this is my season. And I'm going to say amen to that, but with a caveat. And the caveat says, there, this is something that needs to happen before. And my argument, and you'll see it in a narrative that we'll use in the next couple of weeks, is yes, this could be your season, but it could not be your season if you're not hearing and obeying God. See, it's one thing to hear God. The next thing is you have to obey God. When you obey God, then it becomes your season for God then to bless you the way that you've claimed. So you can't say it's my season, I'm going to have a harvest, but you ain't tithing. Does that make sense to anybody? You can't say it's my season, this is my year of overflow, but you still got an order against your brother. See, those are the things that veto, again, this being your season. And yeah, you hear people say it all the time. And I want to push us, even hearing Sunday sermon, you'll hear a little bit about that. Because at some point, we got to stop being the person in the middle. At some point, it's got to be yay or nay. And you got to be willing to roll with the punches either way it go. If you haven't reached that point, it'll never be your season. You'll never enjoy the full manifesting of God blessing you in your life. All right, so we're going to deal with that over the next couple of weeks. I think it's imperative to where we're trying to go. I think you've heard me say this and I'll say it again. You know, at some point, you know, our greatness has to be evident in our giving has be evident in our witnessing, has be evident in our service. Uh, you know, w we can all do better. And at some point, it's, it, it goes beyond saying amen. At some point, it has to show up in the plate. That makes sense? At some point, it's got to show up that we're bringing people to church. You know, this church right now can seat about 290 people. Every week, it ought to be standing room only. Every week. Because I'm on my job. 
All right. And so, you know, I'm saying that to us because at some point we got to be pushed a little bit and prodded and uncomfortable um, because that's what God wants for us. All right. Well, let's look at this outline. OK, so I hope you got it. Uh, if you don't, uh, I got some on sale right now for the mere price of fifty nine ninety five. Um, and uh, that doesn't include shipping and handling. And since I don't have to ship it to you, but I have to handle it to you, it's going to be an extra nine ninety five. All right. The Book of Mormon. This is, uh, again, one of those occults out there. Um, and we're not going to be able to cover everything. But I like to, I like to give you over uh, information for you to read for yourself. But if you're on the first page, the, the outline itself, it says, y'all see that Bible? All right. It says the Book of Mormon, right? Now, what perplexes me, Brother Omar, is that it says under that, Another testament of Jesus Christ. Now that blows my mind right there. Because Sister Rhonda, why we got to have another one if we already got one? And like I told you, uh, Mother Mays, I'm, I'm curious, I'm nosy when it comes to stuff like this. Because I'm saying, okay, and this is the thing I need you to get in your spirit if you don't get anything else. If God is perfect, how can God ever make a mistake? Because the Bible is the word of God. How would God make a mistake in his own words and say, oops, my bad. I made a mistake. We're going to start all over again. He cannot be a perfect God if he is made in error in scripture. He cannot be perfect. And I'm saying that to us because when you hear people say, well, you know, that Bible is full of flaws. It's not full of flaws. It's full of flawed people. I promise you from Genesis to Revelations, everybody in the Bible, with the exception of Jesus the Christ, is a flawed person. But the beauty of being flawed is a perfect God chose to use imperfect people to do signs, miracles, and wonders. All right? So when I look at this, the first thing that strikes me is that it says another testament of Jesus Christ. All right. And so as you go through this outline there again, you know, Mormons or, or as they're known, um, Latter-day Saints or Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. You know, they evolved, you know, several hundred years ago, a guy named Joseph Smith. And here's his story. And I tried to put this in bold writing for you so you can see. For He claimed to have received a personal visit from God, the Father and Jesus Christ who told him that all the churches and their creeds, and creeds means their, their doctrinal thinking and all of the above, that they were an abomination. So God told him, okay, I want you to set out and restore true Christianity and claim this church to be the only church on the earth that had the ability to do that. Now, here's another question for me. Says Dale, I'll, I ask questions because maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking about this wrong. How do you take a jacked up book and go in there and use half that book to make your book? I mean, the book is imperfect, right? So why would you take imperfection and put it in something perfect and then all of a sudden it becomes perfect? It just don't make sense. But here's another question I, I, I thought about as it later. Well, you know, because one of the things, and you'll see it, you know, here's a couple of thoughts about the Mormons. Should they come to your door? And they probably will. You know them. Um, you know, what's interesting about Mormonism 
And this is one of those things you'll see at the very back. When they first evolved, blacks weren't allowed. As a matter of fact, the general theory, Brother Gaines, is that black people, uh, when you got to heaven, was going to turn white. I'm just, I'm just kind of giving you stuff. It's, it's there for you to read and research for yourself. But stop the presses. Pump the brakes. I mean, come on now. There's something wrong with that. But, you know, and, and that's why there again, it pays to do the work so you can see this stuff and know for yourself. The literature ch keeps changing. And God said, I am the Lord. I change not. So if God is God and he does not change, if, if the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, somebody lying. Somebody ain't telling the truth. Because if, if God changed his mind and told Joseph Smith, oh, man, oops, I blew it, I messed up, man, everybody ran, you know, they didn't went crazy, I got to start off with your church. I got a problem already because he said it's his church. So as you look at this stuff there again, you know, the Mormon, the problem with Mormonism is that it contradicts, it modifies, and expands on the Bible. What was wrong with what was there? Why'd you have to add something else? Why'd you have to modify anything in there? Why, did you, why do your scriptures contradict? And you've got your own little stuff that contradicts scripture. So I got a problem with that. Because if you got to get something else to add in, or to uh, assist with it, then this Bible ain't what it said it is. And I hope all y'all have a problem with that as we go forward. So, so one of the first things that he points out, I think about five or six things I'm going to try to get us through in the next couple of minutes. The first thing he talked about is apostasy and restoration. And let me kind of hear a couple of thoughts in case they come to your doors. Mormons claim that total apostrophe, and that means the abandonment or renunciation of a religious belief. They say everybody on the church just abandoned Jesus Christ or God's doctrinal thinking. That's what apostasy means. It said it overcame every church on the face of the planet during the apostolic time and that the Mormon church is allegedly the restored church. God said, every church that went off the chain, they ain't did what I said, and so I'm going to start all over with you. Yeah. All right? So if the Mormon church was truly restored church, um, however, if, if, it, if it truly were restored church, however, one would expect to find what I would say is first century historical evidence for Mormon doctrines. Like, for example, the plurality of gods and God the Father having once been a man. Because they do say, for the record, that God was a man. They didn't say Jesus. They said God. And they said, and it's, I think it's somewhere in the narrative. I may have added, maybe the, that God had, uh, had sexual relations um, with the lady the way that we have them. And that's how we came. Now, I'm going to show you some of that in the text. I don't want you to think I'm making it up. But God came down here to be a man for a while. Does that make sense to anybody? I, I guess it wasn't okay just being perfect. He just said, well, I guess I'll go down there. I guess I'll leave heaven empty for a while. I guess I'll just go down there and be a man for a while. I just I want to see how that feels. It don't make sense. 
So, so here's the other question I ask this Redeemer, and I like to say, I like to ask questions, but how could God allow the church to get completely out of control and do nothing? I mean, does that make sense to anybody? You mean the Holy Spirit couldn't restrain nobody? Huh? The Holy Spirit let the whole entire planet get out of control without constraining nobody, and God said, okay, that's it. I'm going to start over. You mean to tell me God couldn't do nothing? Who has all power in his hand? He said, there's nothing hard for me, and your church is going haywire, and you sit there and say, oh, well, well, I just start over and do another church. What type of God is that? I mean, let's just say you got five kids, Dean York, and all of them just acting crazy. They busting stuff and chaining stuff and doing all type of crazy things. Well, you know, they're just out of control. I guess I'll go get another wife and have some more kids. I beat and took off a belt, a shoe, a table. I beat and dropped somebody. I beat and did some karate kicks. I mean, some, look, somebody going to get back in control. I'm telling you right now. I beat and called Jesus. I beat and called the Holy Ghost. I beat and called 911. I beat and called the FBI or somebody. But somebody going to get back in control. So when you look at this stuff there again, yourself some questions. This stuff don't make sense. And, and when you look at it there again, here's something Jesus said. And Jesus said this. And you can see it in Matthew chapter 16 uh, and it goes down through I think verse 19. And I want you to see what Jesus response is to that because Jesus said, he said when Jesus came Matthew 16, 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say I am? Um, whom do men that, who do men say that I am? The son of man I'm sorry, let me say it again. Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elias or Elisha. And others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But then Jesus said, no, no, no. Um, what do you say? See that in verse 16 or 15? But who do you say I am? And Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, uh, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this unto thee, but my father which is in heaven. And listen to what Jesus said. This is the piece I want you to see. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter. He changes his name. Peter means rock, Petros, Petra. If you will, it means rock. He says, and upon this rock, upon this declaration, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So if hell can't prevail against the church, how can I'm just asking questions now. Because at the end of the day, says Brooke, I mean, it makes sense. You know, you, you got to start looking at stuff saying, wait a minute now. If hell can't prevail then what makes you think mere humans can get out of it? You understand what I'm saying? And then Jesus goes a step further in there, says Jay, because he says, and I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now he's talking to all of us. And look what he says. He says, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be, that's your power. When the last time you bound anything and loosed anything? I bind the spirit of gossip. I bind the spirit of, 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 of jealousy. I bind those and I loose your love. 
the devil is a liar. No, no, no. I, I'm, I, bind, I bind that spirit of chaos and I'm loosing peace here in my vicinity. You've got that power, but when's the last time you exercised it? And so what he's telling us in this text, and there again, you can see it in the next one, Ephesians 3.20. I won't read that for you, but I want you to see now. Is, is some of the world gone mad? Of course it is. We know that. Let me, let me read it for you. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus told us what's going to happen. He told us it was going to happen. So I don't even know why we're surprised. All right, listen to what he says. This is Paul talking to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. He says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, talking about now, some shall depart from the faith. It's a grip of folks doing that right now. Uh, huh? Uh, giving heed to seducing spirits. Huh? And doctrines of devils. Watch this now. Verse 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy. And having their conscience seared with the hot iron. That means that sin, that sin just burning them up. They just got to do it. I'm serious. I mean, I'm serious. Didn't you? I mean, they just got to do it. They look at another man and start smiling. You got commercials now. There ain't no shame in that game. You got, you got another man going up to another man and putting his hand around him. And he looking at him like he a woman and vice versa. Walking up on the back of him and kissing And listen, let me remind you now, the flesh, is, all the flesh wants to do is gratify itself. You, you'd be surprised how the flesh will do whatever it feels like it needs to do to gratify itself. Why do you think, you know, there's a, there's a chapter or two in the Old Testament where God had talked about, okay, don't y'all have sex with animals? He wasn't talking to unsaved folks. He was talking to saved folks. (laughs) Don't lay down with an animal like you lie down with another man. Don't lie down with an animal like you lie down with another woman. And they didn't get it. They didn't get it in the Old Testament. So in the New Testament, he had to come back and say, look. He said, y'all Christians doing more freakier stuff than the people out there doing. I mean, he said that for real. Which says, they ain't stopped doing it. Which means some folk doing it right now. <laughs> Since around, they doing it right now. Don't be surprised. And some folk doing it in the church. Now y'all do know. Okay, I'm going to leave y'all. y'all. Who y'all think he talking to in Corinthians? The church. He said, look, he said, he says, it's fathers having sex with daughters and mothers having sex with sons and stepsons and y'all doing all this stuff. Y'all should, and we know that going in the church. See how quiet y'all got? Y'all talk about it all the time. You know, that pastor, you know, over there, that pastor over there, you know, he got that baby and that church ain't saying nothing about it. Uh, y'all, uh, uh, come on now. That deacon boy, he be doing a whole lot of house visits. Especially on Friday night. <laughs> y- y'all know y'all be talking. Y'all ain't got to say nothing. All right, let's move to it. <laughs> let's move to it. So, so I, you know, I had, I had to pull up somebody that would help me make sense. And look at number two, God. I, I pulled up our president, Deacon York, because... 
you know, about as dumbfounded as he looked, I'm about as dumbfounded about this too. All right? Mormons claim that God the Father was once a man. Now watch this now. Now help me get this, Brother Omar. Was once a man and that he then progressed to Godhood. That is, that he is a now exalted immortal man with a flesh and bone body. For example, I mean, help me understand that. And, and, and so here was God has to say. God say this. You know, I got you two scriptures to go along with this. Because this is about the dumbest thing I ever heard before in my life. All right. First of all, God says God is not a man. All right. Now, let's go a step further and understand the narrative, but I want you to see it. Uh, Numbers uh, 23, 19, Hosea, uh, there again, 11, 9, and, and John uh, 4 and 20. God is not a man. God could have said God used to be a man, but he don't lie. Because God is righteous. God cannot lie. So why would God say God is not a man if he had been a man? That means God lying right there. So it says, God not man that should lie, neither the son of man that he, they should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God said, if I said it, it's money in the bank. All right? Isaiah, uh, Hosea, rather, 11 and 9, it says, I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. He says, I will not return to destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man. Why would God, again, not say, I'm not a man no longer? I'm trying to get you to think, you know, just out of the box here. All right. Uh, John 4 and 24 says God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him. Why did God not say God is a spirit, but I used to be a man? Or why did God not say God is a spirit that has evolved? Or why would God not say God is, God has evolved into a spirit? Okay. But God doesn't say that. All right? And we all know this. Obviously, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. All right? Look at this scripture here. Luke 20, 24, verse 36. It says this. It says, and uh, as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted. And suppose that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, why are you scared? <laughs> well, troubled. Okay, troubled. Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. That is, that it is I myself. Handle me. Touch me. Put your hands on me. And see, for a spirit have not flesh. And bones, as you see me have. Spirit can't eat catfish. <laughs> Jesus sat down. They was out there. They came to the shore. Jesus had already, Jesus got some fish down there, was baking them, or was, was putting them over the thing, and was eating them with them. And so at the end of the day, there again, uh, you know, you look at this, it, it, it does not make sense. Now, we also notice that God is eternal, which means that he has always existed. There's, the Bible says, in the beginning, God. And what Moses is saying is, I don't know when the beginning was, but whenever it was, God was there. That's really what the scripture means. 
Whenever the beginning was God, God was there whenever beginning was. All right? Look at this scripture here. There again, Psalm 90, verse 1. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Watch what he says in verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth ever or ever, thou hast formed the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou has existed. Okay? There's never been a, a time... And understand, remember now, let's understand time. Time is a concept that God created for us. God didn't need time. God existed before time. Time was something God gave us to give us some type of uh, mental idea of the concept of time and life moving forward. All right? God don't care about time. Methuselah was what, 969 can you imagine living that long? That's a long time. What, what, what did he do for 969 years? Moses was 120. Can you imagine putting the same clothes on for 969 years? Can you imagine eating the same food for 969 years? What we got today, chicken? Oh, I'm sorry, Brother Simeon. I forgot that's your thing. That's your thing, Brother Simeon. Chicken again. Thank you, baby. Thank you, Lord. How many years is 500? That's still, it's still good. Think about that. And the only thing that caused man to fail was man's sin. Man's sin that caused man to now have to die. If I could catch Adam right now, I'd give him one of these. I'm telling you. Made that mistake. All right. Watch this now. Look, look at Psalm, Psalm 102 uh, and verse number 27. All right. I'm just looking at that verse. Won't look at the rest of it. It said, but thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. God is eternal. He has always existed. All right. And here's the other thing now. God is immutable. So what does the word immutable mean? He changeth not. God does not change. Remember now, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God is not going to change his mind. He's not going to stop anything. Everything that we see now is a part of time. You are part of God's timeline. All right? And I know sometimes it look rough. There are shootings and all this other stuff going on. But Newsflash, it didn't just start with us. This Me Too generation stuff didn't just start. Remember, remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Remember Lot? And it's, it, it's interesting, you know, here uh, Abraham and Lot was, and they got to a point where whatever Abraham put his feet, God blessed him, because God said, I was going to bless him. All right? So he told Lot, say, Lot, whatever you want, choose it. Lot chose what he's going to choose. I just find it interesting, Brother Ernie, that Lot, out of all the places to put his house, his tent, he wanted to see what was going on over there in Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot, at some point, uh, says Kearney, Lot didn't just see it. He was part of it. Lot was the elder that met you at the door to get in in Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And he knew what was going on. The men was liking other men. The women was liking other women. And yet you the elder at the front gate, you welcome people in. And they walk out a little bit funny and a little bit different. I got to get back to this outline. I got to get back to this outline. You walk in straight and walk back out. Ain't that Lord have mercy. All right. So number three, polytheism. Polytheism. Mormons believe the Trinity consists not of three persons in one God, but rather of three distinct gods. According to Mormonism, there are potentially many thousands of gods beside these. That just blows. So what the way I look at this is, okay, if them three gods decide to move on, some other three gods going to come and run the earth. I mean, that's what I'm viewing. All right? However, trusting in or worshiping more than one God is, is explicitly condemned in the Bible. We know there is. Look at what God says in Deuteronomy 4 and 35. He says, unto thee it was showed, he's talking to Moses, that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. Capital G. All right? There is what? None. Besides him. And he comes back in verse 39 and says the same thing. Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath there is none else. God is making it crystal clear. I am the God. Now there's a lot of gods with a little g. The difference is nobody has the power that God has. All right. Behold I'm the God of all flesh. And there is nothing too hard for me. Jeremiah, I think, 32 and something. You, you can find it. But the bottom line is God is telling us I'm the only true God. God had to come back over in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 there again and say the same thing. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, there again in verse number 6, he said, but, us, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things. And we are in him and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things and we are by him. Translation, there's only one God. God the Father, God, and God the Holy Spirit. They all have different roles in our lives, but they're all one. God the Father existed. Remember in the beginning, uh, Genesis, in the beginning, God created and I think in verse 2 it says, and the spirit moved upon the face of the deep. And then further down, God said, when he got ready to create man, let us create man in our. All right. So that's in Genesis. But now in John, it says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word. And then down near verse 14 or someplace, it says, and the word became flesh. And dwelt among them. Well, over in Matthew, in chapter 1 or 2, it says, And he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So there is no other God. There are gods with a law, small g, but there's only one God. Doesn't matter who you say. If you say Elijah, Elijah or, or Buddha, you know, Buddha is something that somebody created. Elijah was a human, but he's still in the grave. 
All right, when you look at John Wesley Smith, he in the grave. I only know one God that came down through a supernatural birth. We're going to see that in just a minute. All right, healed the sick and raised the dead, walked on water, and then died, and then got up out the grave and went back to glory. Now, if you can point any other God to me on the face of the planet, I look at him. But there is none. And that's why I don't care to debate people because at that point, I'm just wasting my time. You're not going to convince me there's another God like this God right here. All right? So at the end of the day, we know that, that there is only one God. Now, God exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We know that because that's in literature. You will never find the word Trinity, so stop looking for it. It does not exist. But there are three. Tri, Trinity. And so, therefore, we call them the Trinity. It demonstrates unity. They're all one. There's never been an agreement between the Holy Ghost and Jesus Christ. There's never been a disagreement between God the Father and God the Son. It's always been complete unity. So think about this. Let's go to number four, exhortation of humans. Now, some of y'all may like this because this is part of the stuff we see in TV now. All right. Mormons believe that humans, like God the Father, can go through a process of exhortation to Godhood. That's what the movies show right now. Anybody, anybody go see Black Adam? What did Black Adam say happened to him? He said he was now a God. Right? He's now a God. He had powers like a God. He could fly. He could do all those things. And you look at pictures now. There was a picture out there that was very popular in the 90s. It was a guy that had came from way back in the day, and he had to kill people so that he would remain immortal. All right? Humans think that about us. That, that's what this is saying right here, that you can go through a process where ultimately you become a God your own self, just like God in heaven. Now, for the record, when God created the heavens and the earth, God made us God of this earth. He said, be fruitful and multiply. He says, have dominion, have lordship over everything, and we blew it. We blew it. And instead of now bears running from us, we're running from bears. Adam was so smart, Deacon York, he named everything. He seen a big old thing with a long neck. He said, yeah, 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 God, I think, yeah, that's a giraffe. Yeah, that's a giraffe. Yeah, that's a giraffe right there. He saw a thing come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a hyena there. That's a hyena right there. I saw some slithering along. He said, I think that's a snake. That's a snake right there. He named everything. He named He was smart. The smartest man to walk the face of the planet. But wasn't smart enough to tell you, don't you eat that apple? Now, what did I just say wrong? There you go. Because it, it wasn't no apple. It was a piece of fruit. It does not say it was Adam. An uh, apple. And Adam was not forced by Eve. He ate knowingly. So stop trying to put Eve there. Well, Eve messed it up for us. Eve didn't do nothing. What Eve did, say, look, now, mm, this is so good. And he looked at it and said, hey, give me some of that, baby. I think he thought this was a piece of chicken or something. 
There, there it is right there. Now watch, watch what it says in this text. Watch this. I want to show it to you. The Bible teaches that the young to be God-like led to the fall of mankind. We know that. Watch this text, Genesis chapter 3, verse number 2. It says, and the woman said unto the serpent. So she's holding a conversation with a snake. Y'all see that? Now watch what she says. Because, see, this leads me to believe, Brother Omar, that somewhere along the road, Eve knew something. She might not have known all the details. The general thinking and theological thinking is that Adam shared with her one day as they walking through. God told us don't mess with that. Watch what she said. She says, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not. Now, how does she know that? Because God told who? Oh. So where do you think she got it from? Oh, okay. All right. Now, watch what she does know in that verse. It says, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you. Where she get that from, Sister Stewart? Oh, she added that? Is that called embellishing? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right, so that's the first lie right there. All right. Neither shall you touch it, lest you shall die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. For God doth know, look at him with his tricky self. For God know, doth know that in the day you shall eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods. Now, what I want you to pay attention to in that text is look at how he terms the word God with a what? Because even Satan knew there was only one God with a capital knowing both good and evil. And what did she do? She ate, she looked, she thought about it, she thought about the possibilities, and then she ate. Gave it to Adam. Notice their eyes wasn't open until what? Until Adam. And then Adam looked down and saw. I gotta get back to this. <laughs> I gotta get back to this. I gotta get back to the outline, says Sherry Jones. I gotta get back to this outline. All right. All right. So, so when you look at the next couple of things, there we already know that God does not like anybody calling themselves a god. You'll see that God desires humans to humbly recognize that they are His creatures. When you claim you're God, now you're putting yourself on the same level as God, and God has a problem with you. All right? You can see that in the next couple. I won't deal with that. Here's the reality. Believers will never become gods. Okay? We messed that up. We messed that up. We'll always be servants. Jesus will always be our elder brother. God will always be God. And Jesus will always be our Lord and Savior. All right? So speaking of Jesus Christ... You know, here it is in, in item number five. Mormons believe that Jesus Christ was the firstborn spirit child. 
what the heck does that mean? The firstborn spirit child of the heavenly father and a heavenly mother. So I got to ask the same question. You know, Brother Green, in all this time, God ain't never told us who our mama was. I mean, I mean, I mean I'm at, bro, first, I'm asking this question because why would God not tell us who our mama was? I mean, think about that now. Why would he never tell Jesus? There your mommy is right there. Why would he not tell Jesus that? I am your father. I mean, why would he never tell Jesus who his mama was? And, and watch this now, Dean York. It says Jesus then progressed to deity in the spirit world. That stuff is about as... Watch this now. He was later physically conceived in Mary's womb as the literal uh, only begotten son of God in the flesh. So, so Jesus was up there in heaven with God and our heavenly mother, who we don't know to this day. And then somehow he got, keep in mind now, because you'll see this somewhere in the outline. It does tell us that God ultimately had sex with Mary. Look on the next page. You'll see it. Watch what Brigham Young says. He was the second president or prophet of the Mormons. The father, listen at this. The father came down and begat him. This is what I want you to see now. The same as we do now. What is he saying there? This, what he's saying is, God came down here and got busy with Mary like we be getting busy. So, so, that's what he's saying. When he say the same as we do now, what he's saying is, they had natural relations. If, if Eddie Murphy was in here right now, he'd say relations. <laughs> he would. All right, watch this now. Her, uh, Herbert uh, C. Kimball. Now watch how he says it now. These are direct quotes from them. In relation to the way in which I look upon the works of God and his creatures, I will say that I was naturally begotten. So was my father and also my savior, Jesus Christ. Same thing. Watch this now. It goes a step further. He says, there was nothing unnatural about Jesus being born the way he was born. Translation, God came down, was intimate with Mary, as man and woman he is. And that's how we got Jesus. Don't make sense. I, I tried to put some of the, I mean, if you ever want to go look at it, there, there's the journals. You can go read them for yourself so you can't say that I made it up. All right? Now, we do know that God, Jesus Christ, is the only begotten son, that he's God's only son. We do know that. All right. And we do know that he was born through what we call the supernatural blessing or manifestation of the Holy Spirit over God. God can do anything he want to do. See, the thing is that God is not God is not held to a set of rules and regulations. God created everything. He spoke and things came into existence. God can do anything he want. Didn't he one day did he uh, turn time back or made time stand still? Didn't he do that? 
Didn't he, didn't he send down manna raining from heaven? All right. Did, didn't, you know, did, didn't he turn water into wine? So, so if he can do that, what makes you think that he cannot uh, tell the Holy Spirit to overshadow her through an, a supernatural way and she has children? Just don't make sense. Well, I, I asked the question from a different perspective. If God can do those things, don't you think he can do anything but fail in your own life? Then why do we limit God based on our own humanistic thinking? God said, I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything too impossible? If that be the case, why don't we shout and praise God like that? Every time we get a problem, I hope we start worrying, we start, oh, they, what about your God? What type of God do you serve? Because if you serve a God that got all power in saying, what you worried about? All right? So we know that God is an eternal deity. I won't go through that. We know, obviously, that, that uh, Jesus Christ being born was a miracle from God. I won't go through that because you've got scriptures to go through that. But here's the other thing that's perplexing about them. i got just a couple minutes left. You remember at some point, I think it was Paul, uh, maybe it was Paul, maybe it was John, you have to help me, that said, I went into the third heaven. Y'all remember that? And he saw some things that nobody had ever seen before. Well, what they did is they took that to mean that there are three kingdoms. All right? Mormons believe that most people will end up in one of the three kingdoms of glory depending on one's level of faithfulness. Think about that now. I want you to see this other part because I highlighted it. It says belief in Christ or even in God is not necessary to obtain immortality in one of these three kingdoms. And therefore, the only, uh, the most spiritually perverse will go to hell. This is what they think now. This is what they think. There are three, there are three, three kingdoms that they think about. You have to jump up to the next page. The celestial kingdom. What's the next one? Uh, yep. Yeah. And what's the final one? All right. Telestial, terrestrial, and celestial. Try to say them real fast. You might fool around and say something you shouldn't be saying. You might spit on somebody too, but. All right. So, so look at this now. So celestial kingdom is the highest and most glorious of the degrees of glory and is symbolically represented by the sun. Now, you need to understand now, the only way you're going to get in there is you have to be a Mormon. And you have to have been part of, and it says it someplace in the outline, it says it that um, you have to have a card of some sort in order to get in there. I, I'm already in trouble. All right. All right. Now, it does say that, that a man or woman can attain the fullest exhortation by themselves. They have to have been married. So if you ain't married, you ain't getting into the top king. You ain't getting into the top heaven. Might as well forget that right now. All right. They make it very clear that if you don't marry uh, and have a family, you can't get in there. All right. Now, it. In their doctrine, they teach that, um, that all children who die before reaching the age of accountability, which they consider eight, 
they're going to be saved in a celestial kingdom. All right? Uh, you see it in the outline right there, which says it believes that all men and women who have died. Now, get this part. This part it's in there someplace. You'll see it. It says that all men and women who have died without knowledge of this gospel, who would have received it if they had been permitted to tarry, shall be heirs of the celestial kingdom of God. All right? As well as all that shall die henceforth without a knowledge of it. In other words, what they're saying is, even people that don't hear of Jesus Christ, that died, they're going to be in that kingdom. That contradicts scripture. And you can see down there where it says, except for little children, those who have hope uh, to prove worth of eternal life, it gives you the, their criteria right there, how they get into that kingdom. That, that's one. Jump down. Go to the terrestrial kingdom. These are they who receive of his glory, but not of his fullness. What does that mean? These are they who receive the presence of the son, but not the fullness of the father. How can you acknowledge one, but not acknowledge the other? I'm just trying to show you some of their doctrinal thinking. All right. Other people that will get in this one are people that die without the law or die without law. They receive the testimony of Christ after this life. Wait, how are you going to get it after? Because the Bible says it is appointed for man to die once. The only thing Jesus is going to say to y'all is bow. Okay, now throw them down in that water down there where they can burn for the rest of their life. He ain't got nothing else to say. All right. They were honorable people who allowed themselves to be blinded by the wickedness of the world. No, not buying it. Remember, God is no respecter of person. So when we get to heaven, it ain't going to be no rich section. It ain't going to be no smart section. He said he's going to dwell with man and man with him. All right? I mean, you can look at other things there. Telestial kingdom. Look at that. Uh, what he says there again, he said, last of all, these are they, you can see it, it's highlighted, who will not be gathered with the saints to be caught up unto the church of the firstborn and received in a cloud. These are they who are liars and sorcerers and adulterers and whoremongers and whoever loves and makes a lie. These are they who suffer the wrath of God on earth. All right. I mean, you, you get the gist of what he's saying here at the end of the day. You know, he's still saying that liars, uh, adulterers, and all the others can get into one of the kingdoms. That's what he said. Y'all still got a chance. Well, not y'all, but the people out there on the street. <laughs> he said they still got a chance to get into one of the three heavens. That don't even make sense. All right, now watch this. Go to, go to number seven because my time is up. Watch this. Sin and atonement. Mormons believe that Adam's transgression was a noble act that made it possible for humans to become mortal, a necessary step on a path to exhortation to Godhood. Thank you. Thank you, Adam, that you messed up because then that made me mortal, which then can set the path for me to become immortal. They think that Christ's atonement secures immortality for virtually all people. Did you get that? All people, whether they repent, Deacon York, or, and believe or not. 
I can't make this stuff up. This is all stuff you can find in scripture. All right, I've given not not necessarily in scripture you can find it in writing. I, I've given you scriptures obviously to counteract all of that. But you know, at the end of the day, the, if you look at this thinking, and and let me make sure you understand this now, a lot of people are duped into this because number one, they grow up in it. Kids are indoctrinated with this stuff, so this is all they know. So this is what they believe, and they will defend it to the hill. Why? Because that's all they know. All right? So, so what about salvation? Mormons believe that God gives to virtually everyone a general salvation to immortal life. What? Everybody get a general salvation to immortal life. In one of the three heavenly kingdoms, which is how they understand salvation by grace. Please. And understand this, then your belief in Christ is necessary only to obtain passage to the highest kingdom. So I ain't got to believe in Jesus to be in the other two. Don't make sense. All right. I can't make this stuff up. I'm not going to push you on it. I just want you to see it for yourself. Um, I want to get into the last two things real quickly because uh, I don't want to spend on it. I just want you to see how ludicrous it is as, as uh, the boxer. You say, this is ludicrous. What's the boxer? <laughs> What's his name? Mike Tyson. Yeah, Mike Tyson. Say, that's ludicrous. That's, that's crazy. All right? But think about this. Mormons' righteous underwear. That's an, that's an actual example right there. All right? L look now. They believe to wear those garments is an act of faith and devotion. Hmm? I can't make this stuff up. It's right there. They don't know when to wear it, and people don't check. You, know, you got your underwear on today? Wait, hold up. You can't come to church on the day. No, you ain't got your underwear on. <laughs> oh, what they say? You know, somebody had their underwear on too long. I mean, wh I mean, what do you do? So Mormons only wear garments after they receive their endowment in a Mormon temple. I'm at the bottom of that page if you're trying to follow me. Which they will promise to wear for the rest of their lives. <laughs> I, I, look, I ain't going to read the rest of it. Y'all can read it. So, so how many wives? Because remember, at some point, Mormons used to have a bunch of wives, right? All right. Mormon, Mormon men can lawfully have one wife now. The practice of polygamy or plural marriage, if you will, uh, the marriage of more than one woman to the same man was practiced from the eight, from 1830 to the early 1900s. And the reason why they stopped doing it is because woman to woman says she got a revelation from God. Y'all ain't having all of us. She got a revelation from God that they should not do that anymore. I thought that was already in the Bible. And, and here's a piece about weddings now. Uh, if you're not a Mormon, you can forget going to your, your cousin's wedding. Because the only family and friends allowed 
are Mormons who are Mormons, ones who are considered worthy to have a temple recommend. So somebody got to recommend you, Brother, brother uh, Gaines, to come in the wedding. Y'all see that right there? And at some point, you see in the narrative, it says the marriage ceremony is also performed for dead relatives who never went through it themselves. Huh? In the hopes that the deceased people will accept the Mormon gospel in the afterlife and then have a chance to become gods themselves. <laughs> I can't make this stuff up. All right. So Mormons are taught that to be at the highest kingdom, you got to get married. All right. That's how you're going to get there. Let me let the, get his last piece. All right. Somebody got to recommend you. All right. So their perception is that when you get to heaven, y'all going to still be getting married and stuff. All right. To that, I just say this if I get his final thought. Matthew 22, 23, the same day. Came him to the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection. The Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection. And asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, if a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. In other words, if my brother die and, uh, and he was married, what they're saying is now my responsibility is to make sure that my brother has some cheering his wife all right now watch this they give him a scenario it said now there were uh, there were with us seven brethren and the first when he married a wife died and having no issue left his wife unto his brother and left the second one also in the third and the seventh and last of all the woman died so when she get to heaven who gonna be a husband And look what Jesus answered. Jesus answered in verse 29 and said unto them, You do err. You don't know what you're talking about. Not knowing the scripture, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, none of them going to get married. Neither are they given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. God gave procreation or companionship as a part of this relationship down here. When we get to heaven, we're not going to have the relationships that we have. That's the way. Somebody said thank you. I don't know if y'all meant that for the right or for the wrong. Lord, have mercy. You can come to the altar and repent if you want to, but maybe you actually meant that. God said we ain't going to get married up there. All right. So let me leave this last thing. Mormons and blacks from the mid 1800s to 1978. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints prevented most men of black African descent from being ordained to church to the church's lay priesthood. They barred black men and women from participating in the ordinances of his temples and opposed interracial marriage. Since black men of African descent could not receive the priesthood, they were excluded from holding leadership roles and performing rituals in the church. 
The Latter-day Saints Church taught its members that temple ordinances such as the endowment and marriage ceilings are necessary for the highest level of salvation, which meant that black people couldn't get there. They said that black people were less valiant in the pre-existence. All right? And they claimed that black skin was a result of the curse of Cain or the curse of Ham. Y'all see that? You can see the two that John Smith, Brigham Young said it. And so early church believers in the Latter-day Saints Church believed that the souls of everyone in a celestial kingdom would be white in eternity. They often equated whiteness with righteousness. Y'all see that? And taught that originally God made his children white in his own image. So a 1959 report by the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights found that most Utah Mormons believe that right, by righteous living, the dark-skinned races may again become white and delightsome. Conversely, the church also taught that white uh, apostates would have their skins darkened when they abandoned the faith. You're going to turn black if you don't get your faith <laughs> That's what he said. Sincere joke. That's what he's saying in the text. Oh, you're going to walk away from the faith. You're going to be black after a while. Sister, uh, sister, that's what he's saying right there. Am I making that up? That's what he's saying. That when you abandon the faith, a faith you turn black. That when you get to heaven, your skin got to be white to be at the very highest. So the next time they come to your door, you got a whole lot to have a conversation with them about. Hold up, no, no, you can't talk to me if you ain't got your righteous underwear on. No, no, no. no. All right, questions from you as we close out here. There again, and there are so many religions out there. And I'm not telling that you need to go and research them. I tried to identify several of them that you need to be aware of. Go, Sister Redeemer, I saw you The answer is yes. If part of this thinking is still part, remember now, in different pockets around the world, some endorse one thing, some endorse another thing. And so it's not uncommon that Mormons, just like Jehovah Witnesses, believe that when they come into these regions, into these areas, these neighborhoods, and you cuss them and you threaten them and you assault them, they're, they're getting rewarded for that. So when you cuss them, they call that being rewarded or getting rewarded when they get the glory or elevating them from one kingdom to another kingdom. All right? Now, you don't see a whole lot of black uh, Latter-day Saints. There are some, particularly over in London and places like that, and there are some, you know, in geographic areas around you. You don't see a whole lot of them. Okay? You don't. But they do exist. They exist. 
All right? But that's why you got to know your stuff. You, you got to know your stuff so that when something don't even sound right, say, no, hold up, no, that ain't right. Nope. Don't, don't let them bring their Bible. Now, I do believe, and you can help me with this, the Mormon's Bible right now is replacing the Gideon's Bible in hotels. Okay? So if you're ever in a hotel and you're running through some stuff or going through, don't, you better make sure you see what Bible that is. All right? But first We, we dealt with um, black Hebrews, uh, we dealt with the uh, Jehovah Witnesses, and we dealt with the Mormons. We talked a little bit about Catholicism, we talked a little bit about that, just in general. We did not deal with um, uh, uh, the denomination of Muslims, but we all know a lot of that thinking anyway. All right, but what I was trying to do, just trying to give us some idea, because right now, Black Hebrew Israelites are becoming a very dominant force in the black community. Okay? People are saying, no, 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 don't believe in that white Jesus. But wait a minute, isn't that the same Jesus that's in your Bible? But you call him white? So come on now, which, 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 which Jesus are you talking about? So, you know, you look at all the contradictions, and what we're trying to say to people, there again, you know, God is spirit, which means that now Jesus is spirit. And if we're going to be very transparent, if you go back over there to, to Africa where Jesus was born, they aren't this color anyway. They're really almost like a copperish color. Okay, if you actually see some Africans from over there, they ain't this color. This is brown. They're like a tannish, you know, they're like a copperish type. When you look at their skin, it, it's, it's not a glowish color, but it's, it's unique. Okay, but e either way it go. I, as I tell people, I said, I'm not going to bait people. Well, you know, it said that his feet was bronze. It said he had woolly hair. Uh, you know, that stuff is up for debate. Okay, and, and so for me at the end of the day, well, I wouldn't care if he were green. As long as he died for me and said, I died for you and I'm embracing it. I wouldn't care if he was pink. If he said, I died for you, all you got to do is believe, I'm believing all right, so there's no white Jesus and black Jesus. You know, at the end of the day, there is God. And that's what we have to ultimately have to believe. Good question. Anything else? Anybody else? Sister Simmons, you got something you want to say or no? Oh, she says she's sleeping now. Okay. All right, come on, stand to your feet. All right, so look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, if every soul was just like me, I'm wondering... What type of church would my church be? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this time of study. Again, thank you, Lord, for this uh, mini session on uh, this doctrinal belief. It has opened our eyes to understand uh, with a little bit more clarity about um, the opposing forces that we have to deal with day to day. It's more of uh, a recall on us to get busy, to do what you called us to do so that others won't succumb that others won't fall for this uh, occultic uh, doctrine and be lost. 
You said the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Put a fire under us. Help us to go after nephews and nieces and sons and daughters and husbands and wives and neighbors and co-workers to remind them that Jesus is the Christ. Now give us traveling graces to leave this place, but not your presence. In Jesus' name we pray and thank God. Amen. Hey, don't forget ministry meeting Saturday, 10 o'clock for everybody that wants to be in ministry. Be at the meeting. It's going to be right here. 10 o'clock.